0: good day to you this is monday february 7th 2022 i am pastor neil Wemus and this is your daily scripture meditation uh today is monday and we are going to be um venturing into the gospel of luke chapter 8 so let me bring that up onto the screen for you and so there you see it right there and we will begin reading from it, it says Soon afterward, Jesus went on through cities and villages. So I'm going to pause for a moment. It says afterward. So that means we got to look back and see what happened before this. Does this have any bearing? Um, so what he just got done was he began talking. He's just spoke. Um, we had the the episode, so to speak, or the situation of the woman uh, washing Jesus' feet with her hair. Right? So that's what just happened right before yeah, so it says, soon afterward he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some, some fell along the path, and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture." And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So I'm going to pause there for a moment. So there's kind of a misconception about the parables of Jesus. There's a belief that the reason that Jesus taught, spoke in parables is because he's trying to make it easier to understand. Well, that's not accurate. In fact, he's actually speaking in parables in order to hide the truth. See, the only ones that could totally comprehend and understand what he is saying is those who have ears to hear. Now, it's not just saying, do you have ears or not? Well, most the majority of the people there are going to have ears. I mean, yeah, there might be a deaf person here and there, but he's not talking literally having ears. He's talking about a certain kind of ear, the ear of the Holy Spirit, the ear of faith. Because if you read verses 5 through 8, and you just read it, and if you had no previous, not very minimal knowledge, if you had the knowledge that they do, so you haven't read the epistles, you don't know the rest of Jesus' ministry, if you just read that, or just heard that spoken to you, it would come off as nonsense. And that would be a side of conviction. But if you hear that, having with the ears of faith, thus knowing who Jesus is, the things he has done, well, it might have a little bit more meaning. You might still struggle. But it's kind of has some insight, and in case you don't understand what this means, a very good chance you wouldn't, if you just read that. Well, verse eleven tells us. Now the parable is this: the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And their fruit does not mature. As for that in in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. So there he tells you what this is. So there, right away. The seed is the word of God. And it's a simple reality. That many will hear the word of God. And they will not confess it. Or... The faith might take root for a moment, but eventually it's choked away. And so let's look at this. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word of God, receive it with joy, but have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. So these are the ones who, when they come into church, they're overjoyed of what they've heard and the experience they had but they don't get involved they don't get connected so a roots it doesn't take root and so when those emotions those highs those joyous moments go away or they become stale or stagnant they wander and they fade away Those who fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. These are the ones they are baptized. They they go through confirmation. They're taught the faith in many and various ways through Sunday school or whatever. But they get busy. They have work. They have their hobbies. There's things, I think especially for kids who go through confirmation, they get confirmed. And then they got they get sports, I mean they have all these extracurriculars in school, all these activities and all these things are going on in their life and they just fall away or they become distant the one who are that are in good soil they are those who hear the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience verse sixteen. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who is not, even what he thinks that he has, Will be taken away. Now what are the things that he's talking about? What's the manifest? Is he talking about possessions? He who has been given. So here take care for the one who has. More will be given. Is he talking about money or possessions? No. He's talking about faith. Those who have faith. More will be given. More faith. Those who have not. Even that which they do. Think they have will be taken away. In other words, the Word of God, the faith that you have, the identity you have as a child of God, as a confessor of Christ, don't hide it. Or if in reality that your faith is placed in something other than Christ, it will manifest itself, it will show itself in its own ways. So what is it that we are showing? Are we showing our faith before the world? Or are we covering it? The seed that has taken plant, are we letting it be covered? Thus allowing it to be choked out? So So let's keep going. Verse 19. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is the ongoing theme here in these three, this little, this chapters in chapter eight. So, the first paragraphs just talk about those who are following him, but you got the parable of the sower, the purpose of the parables, and then you had the lamp under a jar, and you had this situation with his mother and brothers. All of it's about the hearing the word of God. Those who are who they hear the hear it of word of God and do it, who receive it, who live in it, who don't cover it under hide it. They are his mother and his brothers they are his family so let us pray Lord God, Heavenly Father we pray that you would keep us steadfast in your word, that we would make the hearing of your word and the living out of the faith that takes root in your word may it carry us through may it shine to the world that the world may see believe hear and bear the same light unto others we pray this in Jesus name Amen at this time we're going to switch over move over to the reading of the Luther's large catechism um, you may recall on Saturday Um, We we began the first commandment, what it means to be, to have a God. Now, I'm just going to read this last sentence as a good reminder. It says, now I say that whatever you set your heart on and put your trust in is truly your God. And so this is what the first commandment is. It's focusing on what is your God. What do you place your trust in? And we're going to expand upon this as we read through this large catechism this first commandment from the luthers large catechism it says the purpose of this commandment is to require true faith and trust of the heart which settles upon the only true god and clings to him alone it is like saying see to it that you let me alone be your god and never seek another in other words whatever you lack of good things expect it from me look to me for it And whenever you suffer misfortune and distress, crawl and cling to me. I, yes, I, will give you enough and help you out of every need. Only do not let your heart cleave to or rest on any other. This point I must unfold more clearly. It may be understood and seen through ordinary counterexamples. Many a person thinks that he has God in everything in abundance when he has money and possessions. He trusts in them and boasts about them with such firmness and assurance as to care for no one. Such a person has a God by the name of Mammon, i.e. money and possessions, on which he sets all his heart. This is the most common idol on earth. He who has money and possessions feels secure, and is joyful and undismayed as though he were sitting in the midst of paradise. On the other hand, he who has no many doubts, and is despondent as though he knew of no God. For very few people can be found who are of good cheer, and who neither mourn nor complain if they lack mammon. This care and desire for money sticks and clings to our nature right up to the grave. Indeed, what is it? The root of all evil is or all kinds of evil is what? The love of money. Making money a god, an idol. It's common. It's not literally trusting in a dollar bill, right? It's not literally trusting in cash. It's the things that they purchase. And sometimes we, as he says, money and possessions. We trust in our possessions, whether it be our, our house, our cars, our clothing, our shoes, our electronics, our cell phone. I mean, how many of us are so attached to our cell phone? How many of us make technology and things of that sort into our God, our idol, the thing to which we look for trust and hope. Verse 10. So too, whoever trusts and boasts that he has good skill, great skill, prudence, power, favor, friendship, and honor also has a God. But it is not the true and only God. This truth reappears when you notice how arrogant, secure, and proud people are because of such possessions, and how despondent they are when the possessions no longer exist or are withdrawn. Therefore I repeat that the chief explanation of this point is that to have a God is to have something in which the heart entirely trusts. So, note there, friendship, power, so many things that, honestly, none of those things are bad. Being really gifted at something, maybe you're really good at uh, building things, maybe you're a really good lawyer, a good cook, good at sports good at video games. Whatever it is, you might become dependent upon those things. And when you lose it, like an athlete who gets injured and has to end their career early. When we lose those things that we trust in, like it says, we become despondent. We fall and wither away because that's what we trusted on. And see, this is actually something that St. Augustine, St. Augustine was one of the great um, theologians in the history of the church. He remarked about his great friendship. He had a very, very strong friendship with a young man. And when this young man had died, Augustine was beside himself and he remarked about how this is what happens when anybody loves something that is perishable above God, who is imperishable. When we love or trust in anything other than him as our number one, now, we could love and trust these things, and we can, be, we can enjoy these things. But when we love and trust in it above all things, it leads to our destruction. Verse 11. Besides, or not verse 11, paragraph 11. Besides, consider our blindness, which we have been practicing and doing under the papacy up until now. If anyone had a toothache, he fasted and honored St. Apollonia. If he was afraid of fire, he chose St. Lawrence as his helper. If he dreaded bubonic plague, he made a vow to St. Sebastian or Rocio. There were a countless number of such abominations where everyone chose his own saint, worshipped him, and called to him for help in distress. Here belong such people as sorcerers and magicians, whose idolatry is most great. They make a deal with the devil in order that he may give them plenty of money or help them in love affairs, preserve their cattle, restore to them lost possessions, and so forth. For all such people place their heart and trust elsewhere than in the true God. They look too much for nothing good, nor do they seek good from him. So, I think we're going to end right there. And this is, again, focusing on who are we trusting. When we look for somebody other than Christ to deliver us from our difficulties through our trials, we, again, are breaking this commandment. So, let us end with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Give you his peace. Amen. Blessings on your Monday. In Jesus' name, amen.